0: Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer, targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my buddy John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John?
1: Doing great. Got a couple beers and ready to talk about some beer.
0: All right. I hope you have more than just a couple beers, because uh, when you're when you're drinking, you're feeling good, and you're just letting it all flow out, and that's what we're here for. Just let it, letting out the good craft beer knowledge. All right, let me get a little bit of background. Wow, maybe I had one too many drinks tonight, but let me get a little, a little <laughs> maybe background. not so many beers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next time I'll cut back on one one beer less because uh, I'm getting a little tongue tied. But we, John and I, are craft beer enthusiasts, and what that means is, hey, we love craft beer, and we love learning about craft beer, and we love talking about craft beer, and we're going to talk to you about craft beer in simple terms, layman terms so that everyone who wants to try out this wonderful hobby of, of craft beer drinking can enjoy learning about how to enjoy this hobby. Uh, we're here to help you learn about craft beers and so that you too can become a craft beer enthusiast. We encourage our listeners to write into the show and provide your experiences and knowledge and ask questions so that we may help you, you know, become better at learning about craft beer. This is episode four, recorded on September 11th, 2014, and in this show, we're going to talk about a variety of discussion of topics. We're going to discuss the proper glassware and why it's important to the craft beer experience. We're also going to give our own personal tasting notes on the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and we hope that our listeners will be drinking this beer along with us so that you can taste what we're describing at the same time. We're going to learn about my own personal New Year's resolution to find a new passion for loggers, as well as uh, learning about some uh, craft beer industry news. So, John, uh, this is a craft beer show, and you know what? It wouldn't be a very good
1: craft beer show if we weren't drinking while we were doing it. So, what are you drinking tonight? So, tonight I am starting with a Full sale Brewing uh lager it's part of their ltd series uh it's number five their vienna style lager just a big malt flavor if you want to get a lot of uh different malt uh characters out of a beer this is a good one to to try out
0: yes i've had that lager in fact all the ltd lagers from full in my opinion are fantastic and the vienna lager is one that i rate on the high end of the list because like you said they it really has some very great malt character in it and I, and that's what i appreciate in a good lager is is a good malt character agreed yes so you know what it's it's odd that we're we're kind of synced tonight because i'm also drinking a full sale brewing ltd but instead of the vienna lager i'm drinking the ltd 07 which is the Oktoberfest lager or marzen man i'll tell you what i've already i think i've already gone through at least three six packs and maybe this is my fourth six pack of this beer already in just two weeks that it's been released in my area and this is one of my favorite Oktoberfest beers. I, I think the malt character is, is just perfect and it's not too sweet. It's not it's it's just it's well balanced and I just I love it. Have you experienced the the Oktoberfest lager?
1: I don't think I've had this one but now I really want to go get it.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I can't, I, I, like I said, it's my favorite one. I can just, I can drink this beer all week long. In fact, I drank through pretty much a six pack in almost a, one night because it's, it's only five and like at five and a half percent, 5.6, I think. So it's not very heavy on the alcohol and it, it just tastes so good that it, it's not like, it's not a chore to drink. Not that beer is a chore to drink, but this is just one that just goes down really nice and, and before you know it, it's gone and you were pouring yourself another one and your wife is looking at you strangely like, hey honey, are are you planning on getting wasted tonight or is this uh, you know, type of thing? But
1: but yeah, it's it's a good beer. I will definitely have to go
0: pick that up. Yeah, yeah, I recommend it. I recommend it. All right, so hey, you know what? Last week or last episode, whatever you want to say. We ran a little bit long, and we're going to try to keep this one uh, right in within under an hour. Uh, that's my goal. John's goal was under 45 minutes. So, with that being said, <laughs> let's dive right in to our Brew Buzz segment, which the Brew Buzz segment is devoted to talking about various beer related topics. And this week, we want to hit you up with using, you know, using the proper glassware with your craft beer. And last episode, we discussed – what was it last episode? I've already lost track. But at one point, we discussed how important it is to pour your beer into a glass. It might have been my episode two. I can't remember. And the the reason is because you want to make sure that you're able to capture all those fantastic volatiles that are coming up out of the beer – as the as it aerates and uh, the carbonation, you know, pushes those those wonderful flavors up out of the beer into your nose. And if you have it in a bottle and you're drinking your craft beer in a bottle, you're isolating your nose from all that wonderful odor. And the proper glassware will really help enhance the um, the experience of drinking craft beer. Let's see, as I mentioned, glassware. Uh, why why does the glassware shape matter as I just mentioned it opens the beer up to your nose and it allows the head to be created so the shape of the glassware will will impact the aroma and it will also impact the head development and the retention of that head uh, with the beer John uh you mentioned that last week too that I said, you know what sometimes I pour a beer and that head just like dissipates right away. you mentioned. Could be dirty, dirty glass. You know, some soap residue will will re, you know will reduce that that head retention. Um, but also, if, if I'm not mistaken, the shape of the glass, depending on the beer style, will make a, a big difference on whether that head is is able to retain or even even a beer that has a big head. You want to be able to contain the head in the the glass.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, every every style you know, can can take advantage of a glass to accentuate what what it's trying to bring to the table. Um, you know, a lot of, like, Hefeweizens, we'll talk about a, a Weizen glass. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a lot of that beer is that those yeast aromas that are going to come out of that, and, you know, that, that glass will accentuate how those come to you, your nose. Yeah. Um, and really, a lot of these specialty glassware, I mean, they've been around a long time, but uh they they didn't really start to proliferate in the u s until the last five or ten years um i think you know it's even still in a lot of areas all you'll ever see is a a standard shaker glass yeah um uh, but uh most like good beer bars now will have proper glassware for everything that you're you're going to be drinking yeah uh, and even now with the the craft beer boom there's New glass development going on. Um, you know, I know Sam Adams has run a lot of commercials for their you know special glasses that mm-hmm. have been designed. There's been a lot of work with glasses for IPAs, and um, mm-hmm. a lot of it. One thing that's come out of that is a lot of um, etching um, on the the bottom of the glass um, on the inside, yeah. on the bottom of the glass. And what that does is uh, it helps release that carbonation from the beer and just. Uh, drive it out and help form that head and get those aromas to you yeah so if you're if you find a glass like that definitely uh pick it up if you can and and try it out i mean and try try doing something side by side mm-hmm. and see the difference um it can be really remarkable
0: yeah yeah my first glass that i ever had that had the etching on the bottom was and was sammy adams special uh pint glass that they they sell and i'll tell you what i have a 20-ounce version of that, and I have this, I think the 16-ounce or 12-ounce, the smaller version. I have both sizes, and I'll tell you what. I love drinking beers out of those glasses. It's like it's like a generic universal glass that you can jo- enjoy almost any beer with that, you know, you, you have those two glasses and or one glass, whether it's a big one or a small one, and I'll tell you what. it Almost every beer you put in there is enjoyable because it has – all the features that will enhance every style of beer, in my in my opinion. Now, I know there are certain glasses you might want to stick with for some of the heavier alcohol content beers, but uh, any kind of, uh, for sure, uh, lager or, uh, you know, even IPAs and, you know, red ales and brown ales and all those, those work great in those Samuel Adams glasses. Um, one of the things is, again – the, I mentioned uh, the head development and retention. And why is this important? It's because when that foam is created by the act of actually pouring the beer into the glass, it creates like a net. It's a foamy net that allows all those volatiles in the beer to be trapped within that foam and not just escape. And John mentioned last week you want to make sure that you get your – when you're doing a beer tasting, that you get your that aroma first. Because you don't want those fleeting esters and, and aromas to escape and you not be able to experience them in the beginning of your pour. But one of the things is a lot of people don't like to have any head with their beer. But when you don't have a head, then you don't have any kind of a, of a mechanism there to trap in those volatiles. So a little bit of head is good. And um, so don't try to completely isolate your head. Um, just try to keep it from being like, I've poured a beer and there's a, there's a, there's a happy, a happy medium between a too much head and too little head. I've poured beers where I've had six inches of head. That's way too much because it takes forever to get that head knocked down. I, I don't care how many volatiles or esters or flavors and, and aromas of being trapped. If it yeah. takes me five minutes to drink a beer, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it limits how much beer you can have in your glass. That's right. That much.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and plus, when you take a photo of it, everyone laughs at you, like, "Oh, nice pour, dude." So yeah, those when you
1: when you get a lot of head like that, usually you're you're pouring a little too aggressively, Um, and what that's doing is driving off those those volatiles, and then uh, you actually don't get a lot of that in the in the foam sometimes. And these volatiles we're talking about, they're. you know, pretty much all of those aroma compounds that come from the hops, uh, the yeast, um, all those uh, what the fusils and esters, um, that's what we're getting from the yeast. that can be f- fruity or spicy. Um, and then any anything else that's added, uh, you know, different spices or chocolate or coffee or all that kind of stuff, it's all, all going to be contained in there. And, you know, when we're talking about these volatiles being driven off, you um, within an aggressive pour uh in the same way when you're when you're brewing a beer as you as you get more involved in in the craft beer drinking uh hobby and all of that uh you'll start to hear things about uh, this was a uh, used as an aroma hop or mm-hmm. this hop was uh was an aroma hop in this beer yeah um those those are those hops are labeled that way because they were used at the end of the boil process because if 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 a hop is added earlier, all those volatiles are driven off by the boil, so you don't retain any any of those uh, aromas and flavors. Mm. So all those hops towards the end, that's where you're getting all your flavor and aroma. Um, yeah. So, excellent. Little side tangent.
0: <laughs> no, no, I agree, and that's and that's where I get I get a little picky. You know, I I really do enjoy. Getting my nose in that beer and smelling what is, you know, smelling those hops and those aromas. And so when they aren't dry hopped or they aren't, they don't have that, uh, you know, that extra aroma, the beer may be great. But I feel like I'm kind of short sheeted a little bit because that's, that's part of the the fun of drinking beer is to, to smell what's what's in there and then you're anticipating what you're going to taste. Now, it may be completely different. You know, you may actually smell some citrusy hops in the nose. And then when you actually taste it, it's it ends up being piney or just plain bitter. But it still is nice to be able to, you know, to be able to smell that extra addition to the beer. All right. Well, hey, we just talked about why it's important to have glass to trap these the head and to make these volatiles uh, come out in a, in a more enjoyable fashion. But let's let's start talking about some of the glasswares and which beers are best used with. And so, as John mentioned, the most common beer glass that you'll find in all the bars and in your house, if you may have a few in your cupboards, is what we call the standard pint, or also it's known as the shaker pint glass. It's a a regular 16-ounce cylindrical glass. It it has a, a taper at the bottom, and it comes up pretty you know, not too sharp of an edge. It's a it's a standard glass. Uh, typically, these glasses uh, come in two sizes. The most common is 16-ounce size. Or there's also another standard pint also called the Imperial Nonic pint, which is an, an English pint. It's 20 ounces. And it's not shaped exactly the same. This one has a little bit of a, a bulge right at the top. I don't know exactly what that bulge is for, except I think it's just to make sure that when you're holding your this big this big twenty ounce beer, it doesn't fall between your fingers as you're you know lifting it up to drink it.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard that. I've also heard that it was designed to help uh, mm-hmm. stacking the glasses; so they didn't get stuck together. Ah. Um, yes. but uh, th- in my opinion, these are the the worst glass. It, I mean, it' better than a bottle or a can. Yes, but Yes. Um, they they just kind of you know they're they're in that cone shape, and it's just letting everything escape and not mm-hmm. really directing it to you. Um, but it's still still better than um, putting in a just drinking in the in the bottle. Yeah. But uh, you'll actually find that a lot of places you don't get a 16 ounce glass; they're all 12 ounces. Um, what? And a lot of, a lot of bars uh, not actually 16 ounce pours, uh, even though they call them pints, and that that's because they weren't made. I think originally for drinking they were made to mix drinks and I think that's where the shaker ah name came from. You know, they, these are the glasses that you you use to mix up your cocktails. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really where they originated or became popular.
0: Okay, that's that's a good little side trivia there and I agree this is actually probably the worst glass of all the glasses you could use for a couple reasons in my opinion. For one, like John said, there's it's it's a straight taper from the bottom to the top, and there's nothing to trap in anything, so everything just gets released. Two, the glass is usually very thick, and when you have thick glass, it will suck out the, you know, it, it actually warms the beer really quick. You know, it sucks out the cold. Not that you want your beer. Super cold, but you don't want it to be. I mean, a lot of people don't want their beer to be too warm either. And I think a, a shaker pint can really, if you if you have it not in a refrigerator, just in your regular cupboard, and you pour a beer in it, it's going to warm that beer up really quick. Which is another downfall, I think, of the sh- of the shaker pint. the The positive is they're easy to find, and they're easy to store because you just stack one on top of the other. You can actually put in a regular cupboard. You can stack up like five or six of these glasses and slide them into a spot where one glass of another
1: style would fit. Yes. Just uh, don't stack them wet or (laughs) if they're uh, warm because they will, you know, contract slightly and they will be almost impossible to get apart without shattering. So exactly. Exactly. And although
0: they are thick glass, they're not going to break as easily unless you're my wife and she can break any glass that you put in front of her and – uh, she just broke my uh, my Wolverine shaker pint glass that uh, that was her favorite glass. But uh, sorry, honey, it's broken. No uh, no Wolverine glass for you anymore. All right, that's that's the that's the most common. We went, went start with the most common. This is the and you know what? This is probably the beer glass that I use most often because it's the easiest one. I have I have like fifty of them, so I just grab a glass and that's like the first one. If I have a, a regular beer that I'm not looking for a special type of uh, it's not a special category of beer i'll just use this one because it's just it's normal it, it, i'm usually going to drink the beer faster than it's going to cause issues with my my tasting anyway so it's okay the next beer the next glass that is probably uh, another common glass that you'll get at a bar if you're drinking like a stella or any kind of a pilsner. They will typically serve these in a pilsner glass, which is a fluted glass. And again, just like the shaker pint glass, this one, though, starts at a very, very narrow uh, taper at the bottom. And it comes up at a very narrow taper to the top. So it's a tall glass that has a narrow, like a really, it's a, a, a cylinder glass that has a very a narrow bottom and a, and not a very wide uh, top to it. It's typically a 12 ounce volume glass, although you can find them in various ounce sizes. But typically, I think 12 ounces is what you're gonna we're gonna find them in. These glasses are great for showing off any of the beers that are light in color and have lots of bubbles shining through them. It's my favorite glass for showing off bubbles because. It's it's usually a tall glass and you pour that light beer. You can see right through it and you can see all the bubbles coming up. And it has, you know, usually a pilsner type beer will have a a big bubbly head, um, you know, white head on there. So you it just keeps those bubbles keep coming up and just keep creating that head and it looks nice. It's it's a beautiful glass. So you have any experience with pilsners, John?
1: Uh, Yes, and I I really like them because they they do taper back in on themselves which helps direct all that aroma right to your nose Mm so yeah that's i love glasses like that
0: all right (laughs) all right yeah i have uh one or two of them i actually have some some like really old pilsner glasses that my grandfather brought back from austria when he was stationed there or stationed in germany in the air force back in in a long time ago (laughs) and uh you know what, when, when John, when you come visit me, I'm going to have to break those out and we'll have to, to have a beer in these old, very nice. Uh, and I think these are probably 10 ounce Pilsner glasses are very, very thin walled and very, very nice. But I never drank out of them. I've only have them stored in my keep safe, keep keep safe chest. All right, John, you want to talk about the Wisen glass
1: or the Wisen glass? Sure. Yeah, I, I mentioned this glass earlier, uh, you know. You'll, this is something you'll want to use uh, with your wheat beers. And uh, these glasses tend to be bigger than the other ones we've discussed and pro- will discuss, really. They're more like 20 to 24 ounces, and that's because they leave a lot of space up there for just this big, fluffy head that mm-hmm. is just commonly associated with with a wheat beer. And that's because... the that, uh you know we I think we mentioned last week you know that head comes from that protein, and wheat is stock full of protein way more than than barley, so that's what what helps with that that big head and and these glasses are designed to to capture that and accentuate that that big head mhm nice yeah
0: I think this is this is a must have glass for anyone that enjoys Hefeweizen's. And any kind of wheat beers. And now, I mean, typically, when I was first starting my craft beer journey, Heaveysons were the only wheat beer that that was typically, you know, found for craft beers. And now, there's so many different wheat beers that I just, I wheat beer has turned into to one be one of my favorite styles of beer. And these these glasses are fantastic, just for the fact that John mentioned, you pour that beer in and guaranteed every pour is going to be a huge head and you need to have that extra volume to capture that head and i've got some crazy pictures in my i think in some of my uh, instagram and and untapped photos of of good wheat beers that just have a huge head and what's nice is that head will build up and it will actually go beyond the glass but because that glass kind of tapers in at, at the top it it forces that head to taper in and it builds almost a tower of
1: of foam above the glass and and it's just it's fantastic it's a great glass yeah and another bonus for this glass is i i use it for a lot of other styles solely because i can fit an entire 22 ounce bottle of beer <laughs> than usually so no way I, john i don't have to take a break and re-pour my beer
0: oh that's you know what <laughs> i find that's half the, the half the fun is to pour the first the first portion of the beer Gets all your tasting done. I let the I set the bottle out, let it warm up a little bit, and when I have the second tasting, it's already warmed up to a temperature that is most likely ideal for tasting that beer, as I'm burping up beer myself. So yeah, I actually don't like to pour the whole beer in one in one fell swoop.
1: But you know what? For you, if you're if you can handle that, that's good. See, but then you have to see that then you had two beers. I, I only had one. <laughs> see how that works? Then I can have another. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: no, I only count my beers by the bottle, so it's still one beer. It just means right. two, two pours right. from one. <laughs> and and you know any of your significant others and wives and girlfriends, whatever, uh, they're only going to count by the bottle, too, because they don't look at how many times you pour out of the bottle. They just look at how many bottles are left over after the end of the evening. So that's the way that works. Now, I'm going to go into one of my favorite glasses. And this is the tulip glass. And a tulip glass is just like it sounds. It's a glass that is a stemmed stemmed glass, so it has like a a tulip stem. And it's shaped in a a bulb, bulbish on the bottom, so it has a bulb, like a tulip bulb. And then it tapers in and then flares out at the end, at the the very top. This uh, shape of glass is tulip shape. It really is... uh, is good at capturing the beer head and trapping in those volatiles and those proteins that John mentioned and enhancing the overall flavor and the aroma of the more the beers that have more of a a higher alcohol content in them. And so I use a tulip glass or, you know, and the next glass that that I'll let John talk about, but I use these, these glasses that have the narrow, that narrow tapered portion of the glass for any beer that has uh, a lot of alcohol in it. And the, the reason why is because it allows that stuff to be trapped into the beer a little bit more. So when you put it up to your nose, you're able to capture more of those subtle flavors that are coming out in that in that high alcohol content beer. Uh,
1: and it, it's an easy glass to find too. Yeah, and th- this glass is what you'll commonly find uh, Belgian style beers mm-hmm. served in. Um, yes. You, you almost I'd say at least 90% of the time they'll they'll be served in this and really sh- probably should be served in this.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially like Belgian quads. I mean, these are very the the Belgian quad is one that is is probably in my opinion is the one that's over that's overlooked if they're not served in the in the right glass because it really it has a high alcohol content, but if you don't have something that can really give you all the extra flavors that are subtly in in that beer, you're going to miss out on a lot. And I've had Belgian quads that were served in regular pint glasses, and I did not enjoy them as much as I had when I had them in a, in a tulip glass.
1: Yeah, so I think the last glass we'll talk about this time, and we could probably do three or four shows on different types of glasses, but a lot of these are what more commonly found um, glasses, as the uh, snifter glass, which mm-hmm. anybody who uh, enjoys uh, some of the higher end uh, liquors will be very familiar with, uh, this this glass is really uh, almost like a, a little fish bowl on a stem, mm-hmm. and uh, it it uh, th- these glasses really just hold in all, all the head stays inside the bowl. Um, traps all the the volatiles and aroma. The, these glasses are com- very commonly uh, used to serve a lot of the higher alcohol beers, barley wines, and mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Uh, even some some of the bigger IPAs will be served in these type of glasses mm-hmm. just to direct all that aroma to you. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason they do that is you know to accentuate the beer, and the other part is they can give you a smaller serving uh, <laughs> and charge yeah. you the same amount. The, these glasses will really help. Uh, just bring all that those beers have to offer uh, out to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this
0: this is um, what I like about the snifter glass. The difference between a snifter and a tulip is a tulip will be tip in my opinion. What I've experienced because I've had a, a number of t- of snifters and a number of tulips, the tulip glasses is tend, tend to be a little bit more thicker walled glass, and the snifter glass is a really thin walled glass. I mean, really thin. Where if you even tap that thing against Something it's gonna break, and you can ask my wife that she's broken a couple of my snifter glasses. I'm not holding any grudges, but I I love the snifter for all my I drink all my stouts or all of all of my uh, in, like Russian Imperial stouts and anything that has like 10% and above beers in it because you can hold that glass in the palm of your hand. You put that stem like between your your uh, your your middle finger and your, and your index finger, and you can hold it in your palm of your glass. And the heat from your palm will actually heat that that thin-walled glass up, and even accentuate those aromas and the flavors out of that beer even more. So when you pour, when you do put that thing up to your mouth, it's just, I mean, crazy amounts of aroma and flavor come out. And I, it's it's that the snifter is probably my favorite drinking glass only because I enjoy stout so much that I want to appreciate all the subtle chocolates and coffee and dark fruit flavors that can come out and when John and I hopefully will be able to share our strong Belgian ale we'll be drinking them out of snifter glasses because we want to make sure we can get the full aroma and enjoyment out of those special flavors that are that are subtle in, in that beer absolutely. So that, that's just a taste. These are, like John said, these are only a few of the most common beer glasses that you'll find. And these are the ones that we recommend that you maybe you have one of each style in your collection. So that when you drink a beer that is, uh, you know, more tuned to that glass, that you'll be able to get the most enjoyment out of it. And you know what, John? We didn't mention which exact beers are good for each Type of glass. So the shaker glass, we've pretty much said it can be any beer. If you have a shaker glass, pour any beer into it. It's going to get the beer out of the bottle and you enjoy it. Pilsner glasses, John. I would say, of course, a Pilsner, uh, any kind of a a lighter uh, ale. Uh, maybe uh, or even some wheat ones like berliner Weiss or Berliner Weiss beers are also very good in a Pilsner glass it's i know it's yeah. a wheat beer but it's 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 not a a wheat beer that really foams up a lot it's it's got a lot of bubbles and a lot more of a a champagne type uh not champagne but more of a i mean in my opinion the the better ones have a more of a a, a crisp refreshing and sparkling aspect to it. What yeah. other beers you, you you would suggest for a pilsner?
1: Yeah, any any type of lager um, would really do well in the, in the, that pilsner glass.
0: Okay, all right. And we mentioned the the Weizen glass, the wheat glass. Uh, again, any wheat beer, hefeweizen is is the one that you'll probably drink the most out of that glass. And of course. John mentioned any beer that is – that you can fit into it. That's what's (laughs) – but I would say wheat beers are fantastic in it. So anything that's got a – you know, it's a wheat-type beer, a a Weizen, a uh, Dunklevisen, Doppel, Doppel, whatever. Any any type of wheat beer would be good in that one. Uh, And Tulip Glasses, we kind of hinted at, again, they can be anything – from the Belgian, the Belgian type beers, what we mentioned, also uh, you can have porters are fine are, are fine in the tulip glass, and uh, you can even drink stouts. If you don't have a snifter, you can substitute a tulip for it. The only difference, in my opinion, I I find the tulip glasses tend to be thicker, so you may not be able to get the instantaneous gratification of warming that beer up and getting those you know that heat through it. Uh, but those are good. What about snifter glass, John? You, uh, what do you recommend the best beers for a
1: snifter? Uh, yeah, like the barley wines, uh, double or triple IPAs can be really good in them. Okay. Um, yeah, and any of those really big beers that you really want to sip and enjoy, and not really, you know, get through you know, okay. very quickly. Yeah, that's what I would. I would exactly. say exactly.
0: A snifter glass is typically used for a brandy or a cognac. And those type of liquors, they're not – you suck it down as fast as you can. Those are sipping enjoyment liquors. So same thing with beer. Find a beer that you don't want to gulp down fast. You want to enjoy over a long period of time, and a snifter is the glass for you. All right. Let's move into uh, you know the Check It Out se- the segment. And uh, this is just a segment where we try to give you guys some ideas, whether it's a website a podcast, some kind of a publication or application that you might find useful in your craft beer journey. And this week, I'm going to offer you guys, uh, since since our topic of the week is basically glassware, I've got a check it out segment that is on glassware. And if you are a member of Costco, which is a warehouse membership uh, store, uh, they have, at least in, in my area, and I'm sure that it may not be the same in every area, but this 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 uh, deal will eventually roll through all. I think all the Costco's because I've seen it before. Uh, they have a 16-piece Libby Craft Bre- uh, Brews glass set. at 16 glasses for $25. That's incredible for 16 glasses at you know less than two dollars a glass. That's really good price, and the set includes four. Now the only problem with this set is that there's only four types of glasses, and so you're gonna get four of each type. You may not need four of each type, so this is where it might be a little excessive, but if you wanted to be able to get four great glasses to use for your craft beer in a affordable price that you can only not only can you use these for craft beer, but you can use these glasses for you know for dinner parties to to put ice water in or to serve you know any kind of drink. When time comes for your craft beer, you can also use them for it too. So it includes four pilsner light glasses, and again, John just mentioned you can use these pilsner glasses for lagers and pilsners. I mean, you can use them for multi-purpose. So that four of those would be great just for using for regular tastings. It also has what they call four red ale glasses, which are similar to what I would say tulip glasses. That but instead of flaring out at the top. They narrow in and taper the top, so it's kind of like a, it's like a, a teardrop type glass. Uh, but still, you can use it in the same fashion as you would a tulip glass. Uh, four English pub glasses, which are what we would label as like nonic-like glasses. The nonic pint glasses are English pints that are 20 ounces, and these are I think about just about 20 ounces. So they're they've got that little uh, bump right at the top that can help you uh, hold that beer in your hand because holding a 20 ounce beer might be a little bit, uh, slippery and also four wheat glasses or white Weis- or vising glass. And again, th- those are 20, I think they're 22 ounce glasses. So you can fit a whole 22 ounce, almost a whole 22 ounce beer in that glass. I-, I say almost because you have to account for the head and even on <laughs> beers that don't have a, a big head, it's still going to be very tough to fit that whole 22 ounce glass into a, you know, ounce beer into a 22 ounce glass. So, hey, I'm just saying that this is a great set for the entry level purchase that can be used not only for craft beer but for other beer
1: uh, options. Yeah, it, it's a great a great deal, especially price per glass. But uh, if you don't have that many friends or you prefer to drink alone, uh, <laughs> there's a I've seen the, these uh, similar Libby sets at uh, target mm-hmm. uh, only it's just the, a single set of the different styles so it's just four to five glasses each one different and I believe they also have uh, some individuals you know if you maybe have some of these from you know things you've picked up you can kind of fill out your set without having to buy the whole whole deal all over again but uh, and then I, I wanted to give a a little recommendation for something to get. Uh, you know, Denny's talked about the glasses uh, being broken. And uh, yeah. I find a lot of that happens uh, during cleaning or when they're waiting to be cleaned and around the sink, they get bumped into. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and it can be tough, you know, to, to get in there and actually clean them uh, with a, a rag or something. Um, so I have a 15 month old at home, another one on the way. So I've got <laughs> baby bottle brushes all over the place, and these things are great to get into all those nooks and crannies in these glasses, um, especially those that are are tapered up at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you can get these for two to three bucks pretty much anywhere. So, um, solid recommendation to have a little tool, cheap tool to clean your glass out.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I need, although I haven't had babies in my house for many years, I need to go buy some baby bottle brush cleaners because if i just clean my glasses myself then i that's the problem if i leave it on the counter they get broken if i just clean <laughs> it they'll stay safe so all right excellent those are good good things i you know just to mention john like you said that target does sell a, a, a smaller set that set does go for like about 20 bucks but i i think i bought one for a friend of mine that, that came into town he he was actually from singapore and uh, Singapore, they, at that time when he came uh, to the United States, he did not uh, – in Singapore, they have pretty much one beer. It's, it's Well, two beers. They have Heineken and they have Tiger Beer, which is Singapore's uh, lager-style beer. And he never imagined that there were so many varieties of beer. And so I've got – he is now a fledgling craft beer enthusiast. I, I've turned him into a craft beer lover. I, I actually bought him those 99 bottles of beer books. So he can, he, he said, "Hey, Denny, I, I need some way of be able to log my beers. I cannot remember what I liked or disliked about a beer, and I want to, you know, I want to make sure that when I buy beers that I can remember what I liked about them in more detail." And I said, "You know what? These books are are fantastic for that." And so I bought him a full set of the three books so that he can log his beers. I've also when he, he moved here and he brought his family with him as a housewarming co- uh, gift, I bought him that Libby set of six. It had six distinct glasses, just like we mentioned in the glassware section, so that he could actually have the proper glass for every beer that he tried. And it, it's just a great, I, I just got to say, it's a great opportunity for you guys to be able to, to see the benefits of that each style of beer has in the, in the proper glass. So uh, that was a good uh, a good point you made there, John. All right. I don't want to run too long here. <laughs> As John just uh, uh, mentioned, I think our 45-minute show is is not going to happen. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's time for the who are you section. I, w- I will make this short because this is a pretty short and sweet little segment. And this segment is going to be on how I made a New Year's resolution to drink more lagers and pilsners. And this, uh, if you remember back uh, to episode two, if you listened to episode two, I mentioned that for a long period of time, I was a, uh, a, an IPA hophead. A beer wasn't good in my opinion, unless it had that big giant bitter finish with the big piney hops in it, you know, just over the top flavor with the p- hops, the hops were the main flavor. I... I just didn't think that any of those other styles were worth a damn. Go back to about four years, four or five years ago from now, and I decided that, you know what, maybe there's other, you know, the, the, the craft beer movement just boomed. And now craft breweries were making of more than just a standard Pale Ale, IPA, Hefeweizen, and Stout, or Porter. Uh, those were the, the staples of, of every craft brewery. Now, the craft breweries were finding that, hey, we need to div- differentiate ourselves from other craft breweries. So they started making a variety of styles that had never been really you know, a, a big style in, a, in American craft beer. And so I started trying these different styles. Well, I enjoyed. I really started embracing all these various styles. Whether it was uh, the Belgian ales that were coming, you know, that were being made, because a lot of the Belgian ales you're only getting from overseas. But now a lot of the craft brewers were making Belgians. They were making sours. They're making a variety of wheat beers. Whether it's the the uh, Dunkelweizen or it's the Doppel. Doppelweizen or the, you know, whatever. They have all these different styles. I started drinking these different beers and I started enjoying the, the different variety of beers that weren't overly bitter. They had that malt front that had good flavors and I could appreciate those. But there was still two styles that four years ago, or three years ago actually, three years ago, that I just couldn't bring myself to drinking. And it's because I had the the problem of thinking that all these, the the loggers and the pilsners were all based off of domestic offerings from the big beer industry in America. And I just couldn't stand those, those styles of beers and that's loggers and and pilsners. So I made a new year's resolution one year, three years ago when I was on a 40 cast, I said, you know what? My new year's resolution is I'm going to drink more loggers and pilsners this year. Now, why is that a big deal? For one thing, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I believe that if you really want to make a change in your life, you're going to make a lifestyle change. And that's how you're going to succeed. Because most resolutions don't go through. But guess what? I didn't care if this one went through or not because I already didn't like loggers and pilsners. <laughs> I told myself. What a commitment. I, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't committed. I, didn't, wasn't, I wasn't planning on making a lifestyle change. So I was kind of joking around like, Yeah. My New Year's resolution is to drink more lagers and pilsners, thinking to myself that I was going to fail miserably. Well, guess what? I found out that American craft breweries had come so far into the lager. They weren't making just regular American pale lagers. They were making very, very unique Loggers, whether it was a pale lager, or it was a dark lager, or was it was you know uh, any kind of other different type of lager, um, um, whether it's a Marzen or or even Oktoberfest, you know Oktoberfest beers and winter ales and stuff, they were making unique beers that I never gave a chance because in my mind I said I'm not drinking these. They're crap. They have no flavor. There's nothing for me because back in the early days in the nineties. Those beers were just clones of the crappy domestic beers. But over time, these craft breweries actually made good beers. So I made a New Year's resolution, and I was going to try a variety of these different types of beers, Pilsners and Lagers. And guess what? I fell in love with the Lager style. And now, three years later, Lagers have become one of my favorite styles that I just can't get I just told you earlier in the show that the Oktoberfest the limited 07 full sale Oktoberfest is a beer that I can just drink every single night while it's available. It's a limited seasonal release, but I've already gone through 3 six packs of it in like a 2 week period. It's because I just love that beer so much. So what I wanted to let you guys know during this who am I section is that just because you have a preconceived notion of what a style tastes like don't let that be your deciding factor on whether or not you try new beers because let me tell you these these craft breweries that are out in right now these aren't generic beer makers these are artisans that are making unique craft beers that are very very good and don't let stereotypes of what you know the typical Budweiser or Miller or whatever what they taste like now on a caveat I will say that I still my least favorite beer style even to today is the Pilsner now with that said there's been a lot of Pilsners of late that I have enjoyed but why have I enjoyed those Pilsners because they don't taste like the typical Pilsner that I was used to with the Pilsner name they actually are Doing things different that enhances flavors that are not just a typical pilsner type flavors. They they give it more oomph to it. And those, you know, there's probably seven or eight different pilsners that I really enjoy where I had zero pilsners I enjoyed before I made this uh, resolution. So that that's my little uh, who who am I section of how I was able to broaden my Taste my my craft beer taste even further, and and go and enjoy a beer that I at one time that I disliked in the past. How about you, John? Do you have anything like that? You have any stories where there was a once beer style that you despised at one point, but over tasting different varieties of it, you actually appreciated?
1: Yes, uh, Belgian beers. Uh, that was a big void for me. I never enjoyed them and. I did a similar thing as you. i I just kind of started forcing myself to try different ones, and I, you know talked to some of my beer friends and say, What would you recommend? And so I found some things that kind of were my Belgian beer gateways and like took me down the path. So
0: okay, uh, that's another one that I have to say that I also uh, uh, learned to appreciate because I also didn't like Belgians when I first tasted them. And then I when my palate started, maturing that i that's when i was starting to appreciate the belgians the farmhouse ales the the uh the saisons and uh, and even the sour beers all those styles when i first tried them was a turnoff but as my palate and as i was seeking out more complex and and special flavors and beers all of those i was able to appreciate uh, for what they were and so those are that's good john all right let's move on you have anything else john before we move on or you want to keep this show going
1: let's let's keep it rolling
0: all right let's roll (laughs) on hey it's time to talk about the beers that john and i have experienced uh over between now and the last show and trust me i know john and has probably had 10 15 beers that we're not going to list today and i've had probably 20 beers that i'm not going to list but there's a few that i want to talk about and the reason i want to talk about the three that I have listed, three of them ones I have listed, because John gave me these beers, and these beer, I am and John, please tell me that each of these three beers that we're going to talk about, you've actually had, uh, all but one. Oh my gosh! Okay, so three beers when I visited John back in uh, the end of of uh, August, but yeah, 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 August. Uh, he, of course, uh, being a great friend that he is, he he didn't leave, let me leave. Without giving me a little uh, care package, and in in the care package he had a couple. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say more. Th- these are three pale ales. Uh, most of them were sessionable pale ales, which we'll talk about session beers in another time. But they're beers that are that are lower in alcohol volume. And the first one is from Airways Brewing, which is uh, is one of John's favorite. I don't I don't wanna say favorite, but it's one of your go-to breweries, right? Is it, would, I, would it be too far, too much to say that you're one of your favorite breweries?
1: No. Yeah. It's, it's my, uh, local. I, I stop there quite okay. often. Yeah. I enjoy.
0: So, yeah. You enjoy it quite often. <laughs> and, and I'll, I have to admit, I enjoy it quite often too when John provides me with their beers. And he, he gave me a sample of one I hadn't had before. It's called Airways Brewing PSA Summer Ale. And this Summer Ale is actually a, a pale ale. And uh, I really enjoyed this ale. It, uh, it was v- very good, a, a very uh, enjoyable pale ale with nice citrusy hops. Of course, I say that now without looking at my little book. Let me make sure I got that one right. Is that, Do you remember if that one was uh, – yeah, I had huge citrus hops with a biscuity malt uh, base is what I remember. That's what I wrote down in my little tasting notes in my uh, 99 uh, bottles of beer book.
1: Yeah, that one's nice. It gets a nice little citrus and kind of yeah. little tropical mix in there.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So, th- so that was a pale ale. Then there was another local brewery, or at least one from Washington, called Bell Breaker Brewing Field Forty One Pale Ale. Have you had that one, John? Yes. Okay. This one was a sessionable ale at four point five percent, and this one was completely different than the Airways one mainly because it did not have as much in my face citrus hop. It had a mellower citrus hops, like a light lighter citrus hops and the finish was like this is what my problem with some sessionable ales is that a lot of times the finish is not there where it carries on a lot of flavor. This one was really very light in in the finishing and so it was enjoyable but it it wasn't as fulfilling as the as the summer L. what is your thoughts on the Bell Breaker Field Forty One?
1: I enjoy that one, and uh, I'll actually just give a little background behind this brewery. Um, it's out in in the Yakima Valley, and the brewery is actually in the middle of this family's hop fields. So mm. they actually have been growing hops for a few, couple generations at this point, and decided uh, to open up a brewery. So it's kind of a I mean. Talk about, you know, local ingredients. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and it makes sense. That's why it's called Field 41, because obviously they're using the hops from Field 41, right? Sure. <laughs> oh, you don't know that for sure? I, I was figuring no. that's what they were using it for. That, I mean, why would they name it Field 41 if it wasn't hops from Field 41?
1: Well, that's a good good thought. Okay. All
0: right. Uh, enjoyable. I didn't, I mean, I gave it a, an average, a three, like a three-star rating. It was, it was a good, enjoyable beer. All right. Now let me talk about, obviously, the one you haven't had, John. Yeah. The Wingman Brewers American Outlaws World Cup Ale, which is also a pale ale. Uh, wow. This was a 16-ounce can. And uh, it was, uh, it was different. Um, the main, uh, i I don't know how to describe it. All I can say is that the finish was so what you would call like last week, John mentioned astringent, meaning like a pucker, mm. pucker effect. Oh my gosh. The finish of this beer was so astringent that it overtook all enjoyment of it from me. I still gave it a three star rating because, um, it did have a, a nice aroma, it had like a biscuity uh, and a grassy hop like a biscuity malt and a grassy hop aroma but mm. as soon as i take a drink drink the the uh, the, uh, the taste was what it had that little bit of grassy and that little bit of of a lemon hop flavor but then as soon as i had that boom it was like super puckery astringent horrible i just want to throw up type of feeling
1: <laughs> yikes I, I wonder if they did a lot of dry hopping in that beer, you know, adding all the, those hops after it's fermented because uh, if you overdo that, you can get a lot of those grassy flavors and some of that astringency. So yeah. I wonder if maybe they they did yeah. that.
0: I don't know, but this was a beer that was, it had so much potential. I think the, and I don't know if the finish was supposed to be like that or if it was a, An off thing. But after I rated, after I did my notes, I went and did a search. There's not very much, I couldn't find very many ratings on this beer. But one thing I did note is I wasn't alone in my pucker uh, category on that astringency. A lot of people mentioned that it's way too astringent. So I felt good that it wasn't just a bad batch, that it was something that they were trying to do. But I don't know why any brewery would try to make a beer that just turns off even a, a, a connoisseur of beer like myself. I mean, I enjoy yeah. hops and stuff, but this beer just about made me want to like literally puke. It was just so so astringent, and it got worse as it as it warmed up. So this is a beer I recommend if you do get this beer, drink it cold because you don't
1: want to <laughs> let it get warm up. It gets worse as it warms. Yikes! Yeah. Um so if uh, if you guys have started following uh, our Twitter account, you'll notice you'll have noticed that uh, we put out a, a, a some things about a Huckleberry Berliner Weiss that yeah. that, that was a collaboration between uh, Elysian Brewing out here in Seattle and Payette Brewing out in Boise. That's right. Uh, where where Denny is and uh, I. I personally love all things Huckleberry. I will go search them out. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think we've both been able to try this beer. Yes. Now that it's been out in our, our local markets, um, and I was not—it uh, was not what I was expecting. Exactly. I'll, I'll say that <laughs> um, Berliner Weiss, It's it's a it's a style that. You know, it, it's got a little tartness. Um, it, it's a very light sour, mm-hmm. um, but usually very refreshing, very yes. effervescent, um, lots of carbonation, and, you know, just the perfect thing for a hot day. Mm-hmm. This was not that. No. Um, <laughs> it, I, you know, I, I still enjoyed the beer overall if I didn't think about it as a Berliner Weiss, but just as a sour. Yes. Um, I I ended up just you know sitting and sipping it for a while, um, looking very cool at the bar with my pink beer. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I definitely wouldn't have classified it as a Berliner Weiss. Um, but uh, they were actually marketing it at the the Elysian Brewery as just Huckleberry Sour. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't calling it Berliner Weiss at all. Oh. I don't know how they were dealing with it and out your way. Yeah, it was actually labeled as Elysian
0: Payette Collaboration Berliner Weiss. And that was the official tap handle. The tap handle was actually a real tap handle with that label on it. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that, you know what, John? I have to agree exactly with your interpretation of this. I absolutely love Berliner Weiss beers when they're done right. And just like you said... My favorite Berliner Weiss type style is where you have that crisp wheat beer but it's refreshing with a slight sour in the finish. And it just gives you that little perk at the end. And this beer was just a huckleberry sour. That's all it was. There was no and, – and you know what? And even the huckleberry, there was no huckleberry flavor. It was just the sourness from the huckleberries. Did you taste yeah. any huckleberries at
1: all on that? No. Yeah. And I tried really hard. I know. I, I really wanted it. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, I last night,
0: my wife and I visited Payette Brewing. You know, we made a special trip down there because they just got, they had a del- delay in the trucking where it was supposed to be here last Friday and didn't get here until Monday. So, last night, which was a Wednesday, we decided to make a trip down to the brewery. Just to try this beer. And and my wife was so excited. She loves Huckleberry, just like John. She loves Huckleberry stuff. And we had a very good Huckleberry um, wheat beer at the Prodigal Son in Pendleton on the way to visit John. And she, I mean, she loved that beer. So she was all excited. And we get to Payette. Now, Payette is a fantastic brewery. They serve you in two sizes you get a 10 ounce. Pour for two bucks, or a twenty ounce pour for four bucks. You tell me any other place that gives you that good of a deal. That I mean, those are fantastic prices. So, being that we were assuming that this was going to be a beer that we we're going to love, we went all out. Twenty ounce pour. Uh, twenty ounces was way too much for this beer.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, Sarah barely made it through the twenty ounces, and she was belching like every minute because for in her for whatever reason in her body, it made her belch. For me, it didn't make me belch. I didn't find it was too carbonated. I just found it was like drinking a, 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 a sour beer. It was just a sour. It was a it was a good sour, but it wasn't a Berliner Weiss beer. And that's where I got disappointed, because that's what I was expecting. And so I, I rated it kind of low, because it was just a, a good sour, not a Berliner Weiss. So.
1: Yeah, so then uh, the last beers I'll talk about um, that same same night I got the, the Huckleberry Sour. Um, I also had my first uh, pumpkin beers of the season. Mm. Um, it was the He Said, He Said um, Elysian 21st Amendment collaboration. Yes, yes. So th- this is a set of two beers. Uh, it's a, a Robust Porter mm-hmm. and a Triple, um, both uh done with pumpkin and pumpkin spices. Um the I I, I found the the Robust Porter was a good beer, but I, I thought the the pumpkin and stuff was very subtle. Yeah. Um which which was nice. Um but the triple I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um the the Belgian you know spicy kind of yeast character just played beautifully with uh, the the pumpkin spices and uh, it just melted together very well and I think I'm gonna be trying something like that <laughs> next year uh, <laughs> come this time
0: you're gonna try to, so. you're gonna try to brew something just like that huh
1: uh, similar yeah awesome awesome yeah.
0: I I agree John I have not had it this year but I had last year's version of those two beers and they are very very good and I I agree the porter was a little bit underwhelming. But the but the triple was fantastic, uh, and so I can't wait till they show up in my area. All right, now it's time to do our beer tasting notes on the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. So everyone that's listening, who listened to the last episode, that went ahead and prepared with their Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, go ahead and crack that open and pour it into a glass because we're gonna start doing some tasting notes, and I want you guys to be able to uh, experience the the uh, experience that we're Talking about as we're talking about it in real life. So, first off, just to remind everyone, we're doing a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Of course, it's from Sierra Nevada Brewing out of Chico, California. It's a Pale Ale style, 5.6% alcohol, 38 IBUs. Now, my sample, because I'm a procrastinator and I went to the store right before recording today and bought a bottle. I only had a 22 ounce bottle of this, but I've had this beer many times before in the past. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a go-to pale ale in my in my opinion. So I in this tasting I tasted a 22 ounce bottle, which is almost two beers. So I had a two beer serving in a shaker pint glass. And my uh, the way I perceived the coloring of this beer, if you look at it in your glass right now, and hopefully you have it in a nice clear glass, uh, it was a uh, again I'm not good with colors. So I'm going to call it a clear – it's a clear beer that was a golden amber color, and it had
1: a lot of tiny bubbles.
0: How about you, John? What, you, what would you call the coloring of this beer?
1: Yeah, I, I described it as a, an amber amber beer with a, a white head. Uh, mine had mixed bubbles. The head kind of disappeared pretty quickly for what? me.
0: What? No but way. Uh, that Those yeah. bubbles were going all the way – so you know what? The 12-ounce bottles aren't good for the carbonation. <laughs> yeah or all my glasses are dirty which or, is also yeah, very likely that could be that could be they could be, <laughs> all be dirty all right well so you said you had a head i also had a head i had a big i'm talking of like a three-finger head it was a creamy white off-white head uh, on this beer i mean huge i mean one thing that sierra nevada does well in this parallel is they make a beer that has a huge head and uh it, the lacing it actually stuck to the glass as you are drinking it. Did you experience lacing that was uh, sticky?
1: I did, and I'm experiencing that right now because I'm a responsible podcaster and actually drinking the beer as we go. All right, good,
0: good. <laughs> okay, so, so, uh, so since you're drinking it, you'll be able to tell if my description on what I smelt in the nose is accurate or not. Now, let me preface this, is that I am definitely not a you know, a super duper expert tasting note kind of reviewer kind of guy. And you know what? This beer was one that challenged me pretty good. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if my, if my, uh, re, you know, tasting notes matches kind of what
1: John tastes because John is actually a certified beer judge. So uh, and I, th- I think this is a good time to remind everybody and you that, you know, it, you don't need to be trained. You know, what you taste is what you taste, you know, and it's it could be a little different from anybody else, and it's not wrong, you oh, know. Yeah. Um, unless you say something too crazy, and then I will call you out on
0: it. All right. It, no. Hey,
1: <laughs> there, there might be some craziness here because <laughs> this beer surprised me
0: in what I wrote down for what I tasted in it because it's not what I expected. Now, also let me pre- preface this is that this is the first time I've had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in probably three years, and I'll t- explain later why it's been so long. But it not that it's a bad beer; it's a great beer. But just to, just so you know that it's been so long that I hadn't even logged it in Untapped. This is the first uh, official logging that I did in Untapped, which says a lot because I've been on Untapped for three years and logged eleven hundred and forty some beers, and this is the first time I
1: logged this beer. So that's that says a lot. So my I found the same thing. I was shocked when really? I hadn't, hadn't uh, put it in yet. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome.
0: Wow, we're like two peas in a pod here. All right, so the first thing I noticed when I took a big sniff, and again, big head, so I had a lot of time to sniff what was coming up out of that out of that head. Um, I had a, a very, very nice and pleasant caramel malt uh, nose. That's the first thing I smelled when I smelled this beer. I just, I smell a lot of what I perceived as a sweeter caramel, car- caramel malt flavor or, or aroma with the, with at the end of that aroma, you know, as I, I, the first thing I smelled was the, the caramel malts. And then at the afterwards effects was like a, maybe a grassy or a floral or maybe grassy and floral uh, hops. And uh, I found this odd because I, when I, after I wrote this down in my notes, mm-hmm. I looked at the label and I saw that that this label said it was full of coney or cone piney hop citrus hops. What did what did you smell in the nose, John?
1: So I had that that pine hop hop aroma right off off the top, mm. um, with a little bit of the floral kind of in the background. Okay. Um, I pick I got a little bit of breadiness from the malts, mm-hmm. um, but it was mostly just a really clean, you know, neutral malt character. Um, I'm not getting anything from the yeast. Yeah. I'm not getting any off flavors. Yeah. No. no, no um, else, yeah. And I, I'm kind of wondering if I have a more fresh example. than you do. <laughs> Um, because I think I, I mentioned, uh, last week that the hops are the first thing to drop out of a beer. Yes. Um, and I'm looking at my bottles here and, uh, my beer was packaged a month than a week ago. Oh, so, I mean, this is fresh. pretty fresh. That's really fresh. Um, and I wonder if, if maybe that 22 was sitting around for a little while um, before it got to you. Um, that's, you know what, that's, that's a
0: good point, John. I, I agree that I don't know, I don't have the bottle with me right now, but I will look and find out what the bottling date was uh, just for reference for later. But the, good point, good point. So, yeah, because... That's the one thing that surprised me is that the first I was I expected in this pale to have a lot of hop flavor you know aromas in it and when I smelt mostly the malt flavors it, it worried me but it didn't it didn't distract because uh, I I appreciate a pale ale that has a good malt front you know a good malt um, base to it along with the the bitterness and the hoppiness at the end. So it didn't bother me, but it was surprising. I, it totally surprised me that that's what I got the most of was, was the malt in the nose. And guess what? Uh, It followed almost exactly the same as I took a a taste of it. Um, I had a big bready malt front and with it, with a little sweetness to it. And I, you know, that's what I, that's what came across biggest for me in this beer was was the malts. Uh, the hops didn't come in until
1: the end. What about you, John? What was your f- first impression? The, the exact opposite. Uh, mine was the same as my aroma. So I had, you know, that piney uh, hop character, maybe a little earthy, um, uh, bready, crackery malt, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of a medium bitterness level. It's not really bitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very well balanced between yes. the hops and the malts. Um, you know, I get uh, just uh, some of that hop flavor kind of lingers in the finish for me. Mm. Um, but, uh, it it still finishes pretty dry. It's not anything that you want. Uh, there's no, no sweetness and you don't really want it out of there. It's very pleasant. Yeah. Um, for me. So, okay.
0: Wow. That, uh, again, it may be that the fact that my bottle may have been on that shelf a little longer, because maybe those 22 ounces don't go as fast because that that's, that's very interesting because you definitely had a lot more of that hoppy uh, flavoring and aroma in in the beer than I experienced. So my body, the body of the beer, um, surprisingly to me, it was it was a to me it was a full body beer. It actually had a sticky, or maybe not too sticky, but kind of a filmy mouthfeel to it, which tells me that there's a lot of stuff in there that you know, it's not a, it's not a light beer. It's a, it's a, it's a nice full-bodied beer. Um, but again, uh, I meant, I want to mention that to me, this beer was a bit too carbonated. And, um, you know, I have a, a, a little bit of problem with beers that are too carbonated. And I know, John, you mentioned earlier in the show that, that you had the complete opposite. You thought
1: that the carbonation was like dead spot on. Yeah. And, you know, the, I mentioned that what you taste is what you taste is, is a great example. As we're going through this, I didn't realize um, just how how much we would make that evident. But mm-hmm. you know, I I get this as a medium body, and you know, just kind of medium normal carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not getting any alcohol. It's not a not a really high alcohol beer. Yeah, I'm not seeing it on the label.
0: It's five point six, I think, something like
1: that. There it is. Yeah, five point six. That's right. Um, and you know, none of that astringency uh, yeah. like You mentioned earlier that's yeah. not, not no. coming through. Yeah, zero. Um, but I, you know, I, I wonder if maybe some of that full bodiness, be coming through for you because of all that malt that's mm-hmm. in the foreground. That uh, maybe that's you, you say kind of a sticky yeah. mouthfeel. That could. It could be coming across as a, a borderline cloying type thing that's make just making it feel like it's sticking around like that. Um, okay, but yeah, I don't know. It it was pleasant. I
0: mean, I, it wasn't a, it wasn't distracting. I was just surprised that it was sticking around and my you know that it it just seemed like like I said it was just like a film. It kind of filmed my mouth, which was surprising because i don't remember it being like that in, in the past times I've, i drank this beer i remember it being more refreshing and more hoppy and more you know more a little bit lighter maybe in in the body than it than it was and that's what you experienced you experienced that the body was a little bit medium body and i and i'm experiencing it where it's way more fuller than i than i expected so that's oh, it maybe it I don't know if this is more distracting to the listener that we each had different experiences or if it's actually, you know, maybe they may experience a beer that is a 22 ounce beer that sat on the shelf too long. And they may, they may be seeing things that I'm saying. And maybe the other listeners that are got fresh batches like you are seeing, you know, the experiencing what you're experiencing.
1: Everybody just listen to me. Yes, of course. course. Take away from this. No. (laughs) All right. So the, the
0: finish, let's go right into the finish. Um, the finish was a very – for me, I did have a, a, a citrusy kind of grassy hop finish. N- not – again, not overly citrusy, not overly grassy. It was like a a little bit of citrus with this grassy flavor at, at the end. I liked it. I'm, I, I mean overall, I enjoyed this whole beer even the way it was. Even if it wasn't fresh, I still enjoyed this beer. And it. Ha- it I felt, in, in my opinion – that this beer was very well balanced. I didn't. It didn't have too much malt or too much, you know, bitterness in the hops. It kind of, you know, had the more malt in the front, but then finished off with the bitter. And overall, to me, it was a well balanced beer that that didn't have that overly bitter finish and didn't have the overly sweet malt. How about you, John? What did you yeah, feel on the
1: finish? Finally, something we agree on. Okay. Um, pretty much, pretty much the same for me. I yeah had that hop. Hop flavor in the finish, uh, very balanced, um, doesn't linger um, in an unpleasant way at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we'd both agree, you know, recommend this for anybody, uh, to, you know, getting into craft beer. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and really, uh, th- this beer really kind of defined the American pale ale. Yeah. Um, I mean, back when craft beer was getting started, and it, it's the fact that it's still the standard bearer, you know, kinda of says something for, for what they're doing over there. Um, just making very quality beer. Yeah. So
0: Oh yeah. I, I agree. I think that anyone new to craft beer that wants to try something a little bit more flavorful and a little bit on you know, going up a little bit more on the bitterness thing that not too bitter, this is a perfect beer for them. I think I mean this is a great gateway beer, if I were to say into good quality craft beer. So uh, yeah, definitely any newbie, go buy this beer and try it. Uh, Maybe not a six pack. If you're you're not too sure, go for a single or go to a friend's house who has a six pack and drink one of their beers. Uh, I mean, but I think you're going to enjoy it because there was nothing that was over the top to not enjoy. I I mean, it's really a well-rounded beer. So the, the glassware you know what, you can drink it in whatever glass where you want, but typically the shaker or nonic pint, that's what I drank it out of. I don't think, I mean, what do you think, John? Is there any special beer? I guess with the head that I got,
1: I should probably pour it into a vicing glass because it's so <laughs> so, so crazy. I, I wouldn't call that typical. Um, <laughs> I, I actually did my initial tasting of this, you know, because I'm trying to get all I could out of it, out of a sniffery glass. Really? Um, you know, just to try to enhance all that as much as I could. Um Tonight I'm drinking out of a sort of cross between a, a snifter and a and a pilsner glass. It's kind of tapered, but yeah, generally holds the shape of a of a uh, shaker. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is one of those things that it'll be it'll be good in pretty much anything you drink it out of. Okay,
0: so I'm I mean maybe we rank these differently. I'm saying this is a memorable beer that you should. You should always keep stocked in your fridge. You you, you agree, or you think you rate
1: it a little higher? Oh well, yeah, I think it's a great beer to keep around. Okay. Um, but at, at the same time, I, it, it, you know, it's a great beer, but it's, it's everywhere, so yeah. I tend to not grab it when I'm out. Yeah, is, yeah, it's kind of sad, but um, just the way the way beer is these days, there's just yeah. so much to try.
0: I, I agree, I agree, but. Um, Definitely, if you are going to a party and you want to bring decent beer, but you don't want to, you know, break the bank, I think you pick up a 12-pack of this Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which you can find almost everywhere. Uh, you can't go wrong. There's, I don't think there's going to be people that won't enjoy what you bring to the table. That's my recommendation. All right. So I hope you guys all enjoyed tasting the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale along with us. Hopefully you learned something. For the next episode, we want to invite you guys to try uh, an Oktoberfest. You know what? It's getting to the fall season, and the Oktoberfest beers are coming out in droves. And one beer that I almost guarantee everyone that listens to us in the United States can probably get a hold of is a Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. So I am urging everyone listening to go ahead and pick up a six-pack or at least one of these beers to try with us in the next episode, episode five. Samuel Adams Oktoberfest is one of those beers that I think, again, we haven't reviewed it yet, but I've got plenty of experience with this beer. It's one of those gateway beers that if you are not into craft beer, this beer alone can sway you in the direction of wanting to try more beers, in my opinion. It's definitely... Uh, an easy drinking, not harsh beer that that people can really get into. Spoilers, yeah, that's spoilers, <laughs> and that's before the, the tasting though, is Because only because I've had a lot of this beer in the past, <laughs> and I do enjoy it myself. Even though I'm a, you know, a long time craft beer enthusiast, I still can enjoy beers like like that Sammy Adams Oktoberfest for what it is. So, I, I won't rank it in one of my highest Oktoberfests, but I do recommend it for anyone that's getting into craft beers. All right. Well, hey, we're running a little long, but we can't leave the show without doing a little bit of craft beer uh, industry news. These are just a few of the noteworthy craft beer news articles that I found in the beerpulse.com website. Actually, there's one that I found in the in the local statesman journal, but I'll talk about that one at the end. So we'll go very briefly over these. These are, these are stories that I just thought Hey, my our listeners might enjoy a little bit of, uh, of industry news. So the first one is a brewery that I visited when I did my California, Northern California brew tour. It's a heretic brewing out of Rich, no, uh, Fairfield, California. They used to be out of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh California. California, and they moved to their own brewery in uh, Fairfield. This story is about how Heretic Brewing gets, starts getting distributed in Philadelphia starting in September. And it's just it's not too much information. It just says uh, that they're officially announcing the distribution agreement that has been signed a couple weeks ago between Bella Vista Beer and Heretic Brewing from Fairfield, California. And just a little history. Heretic was started by a famous home brewer turned professional called Jamil Zayna's Chef. Is that how you say his last name? Zane?
1: Yes, okay. you got it. <laughs> uh,
0: and just like this article says, he says, and he, and uh, he has been turning heads, or and has been turning heads with their beers from day one. And I, uh, I agree. When Heretic first came to the Boise area, I just, I mean, I do, I adored their stuff. So when I made my trip to California, I said I have to visit their brewery. And guess what? Their beers are even better, uh, fresh right out of the tap. I mean, they make some fantastic beers. Now, John, I brought you some of these heritage beers on our first visit, uh, a year ago. How, did. What, what, what do you think of it? Did you pre, did you appreciate this
1: beer? So this story really angers me. Okay. Uh, once again, Washington got passed over. They went to Boise. <laughs> now they're going to Philly. Yeah. Uh, I, I lived in Philly for a while. Now I'm angry at all my Philly friends who are going to get to drink this beer. Yeah. if, if you're near that that area and you see it, pick it up. It's it's good stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear
0: because I've, I'm saving a, uh, I think it's a hazelnut porter. Now I can't remember what it is. There's a porter they do that I, I've i had a few of them. and I've been saving a bottle for you on our visit. So uh, by the way, when you come visit, John, I've got like more beer than we can drink in a weekend. So we're not going to be able to drink everything. So I we'll have to. We'll have, to hand, hand pick, we'll have to hand pick <laughs> what we want to drink because we're also going to be visiting breweries, so it's going to be very difficult for us to drink all the beer at the breweries and at my house, just to let you know. All right, so the next article is one that was released a couple weeks ago, and it's about Austin Beer Works creating a 99-pack of beer, literally a cardboard crate full of 99 beers, and uh, it's called the Peacemaker Anytime Ale. Now, the caveat of this whole thing is it's one beer, one style of beer, 99 of them, as I drop my bottles, in one pack. And I thought the best thing about this whole article is the fact that there's a video that's attached to this uh, this whole movement to do this 99 Uh, pack of beer and the video is fantastic i laughed i I just thought it was well done john have you had a chance to watch the video that they produced to promote this 99 pack i have not
1: okay i apparently need to
0: yeah when you get done with the show uh click the link and watch the video i just i adored it i thought it was very well done advertising now on a side note i think it's not something that I would get a kick out of because I don't like drinking 99 bottles of anything of one thing, right? I want to drink 99 bottles of a variety of things. I thought that maybe if they would have made that 99 pack of a number of their style of beers that they produce, that would be a better offering for you know for me. But now for college um, frat houses, 99 99 bottles of beer for one hundred dollars ninety nine ninety nine is a great deal. That's one dollar a beer for a craft beer. I mean, you can't go wrong with a dollar a beer. I mean, yeah, I was
1: gonna say you could substitute getting a keg for getting this big pack of beer.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, I just I just do this article in because I thought it was very uh, interesting that uh, you know imagine marketing and stocking this as a regular offering, you know, 99 cans of beer in one box is a lot of beers. And the video does a great job of making fun of that whole, uh, 99, you know, that whole big pack of, of things. So I don't know if this was, was a real thing that they were going to do for, uh, you know, for an ongoing thing or just a prank kind of thing that they were doing that actually they weren't, they were surprised that so many people, you know, I mean, these things sold out like in record time. So, I think it was a joke that turned into a real thing that surprised not only the brewers, but everyone that this was a big hit. Yeah, but it worked, but it worked. Now
1: everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Everyone's talking. The about pictures it. were all over, you know, so yeah, good on them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next
0: article just moving quickly through these. This is just a fun, this is going back to my 40 cast days where we talked about, you know, alcohol and sex, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, those kind of go hand in hand. But uh, this article <laughs> is, uh, let me read the uh, The name. It's called Pinups and Pints Ohio Strip Club Starts Brewing Its Own Beer. And uh, this is out of s- somewhere in a, in a small town outside of Dayton, Ohio, I believe. And what this is, is it's in a, a suburb of Dayton. I, I believe I don't. I'm, are you familiar with the Dayton area, John?
1: Uh, somewhat. Yeah, okay. I, I definitely left Ohio too early before okay. these things started popping up. All right, up. it's <laughs> it's it's in the city
0: of Medway. Have you ever heard of Medway? It says it's north of where I six seventy five dead ends into I seventy, uh, and I don't think it's a very popular place. Um, but this is like almost like having a strip club in like a rural farm town. And you don't think of having strip clubs in farm towns, right? You think of strip clubs in bigger metropolises or places that have a population to be able to support the strip club. Well, I think that this thing was not meant to be a strip club, but maybe meant to be a brewery that adds a little bit of strip clubbing to help sell beer. That's what I think is going on. So the whole article is about how this reporter for the paper got asked to do an article on this strip club that sells craft beer and he was and i think it's a he i don't know if it's a he or she but he or she was kind of uncomfortable with this article how about how to go about reporting seriously reporting on a strip club that sell, sells craft beer but what he found when he showed up at this place is that it's not the average dive strip club this is like a like a a very nice venue that had nice lighting and had very nice, uh, you know, seating and everything, and it had a 15-gallon. They call it a, a Sabco high-end computerized system for homebrewers. Is that kind of like what you've got, John? But
1: this one was like a pre-made system. This- yeah, similar. Okay, it's it's a very automated. Um, I think it does like 15 gallons or something, 10 or yeah. 15 gallons. Yeah, 15 gallons. What they said. Yeah, but it, it's something you can you can get, and it's just ready uh, once it's put together. Okay. You know,
0: so. All right. So, they uh, they said they they only produce one beer, and it's called the Pinup Pale Ale, and it's their it's it's their inaugural beer, and it's being sold to the the visitors of this strip club, and I just thought it was odd that. Most people that visit strip clubs, they aren't going there for the beer. They're going there for the entertainment, and they're forced to buy the minimum amount of beer that is ridiculously expensive. Now, they didn't talk about what the cost of these beers are because typically – now, I haven't visited a strip club since I was in the Navy back in 1989 or 88. was the last strip club I went to, so it's been a long time. But when I visited those strip clubs, it was you pay a cover charge to get in. And then you had a, a, a minimum drink order. And each of these drinks were like ten bucks a piece for like crappy you know Miller or Bud Light or whatever they had. So I don't know if that's still the way they roll in the modern day
1: strip club. But um I think next time I go home I'll have to do a field trip, you know, yeah. for the good of the podcast. Yeah, you should take Matt with you.
0: <laughs> Matt Matt Helmer from the Forty Cast. He would love to go. But uh, he's the, the guy that uh, that's running this thing says the Pinna Pill Conrad, which is uh, the guy who's uh, running this thing, he, it's his inaugural beer, uh, was being primed for release that Monday, but we sampled it in early release. It was a solid pill ale, a good start on a new system, and one that will get better as Conrad works out the kinks of his system, which is you've probably had the same issue, right? When you first started up your more automated system, the first beers you released probably weren't Optimize. You probably had to learn from trial and error on, you know, how to make it work, right?
1: Uh, yeah. You always have to kind of get your process down and yeah. figure out how it works and uh, and adjust accordingly. Yeah.
0: So he says, uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have it, I might as well make it good. So he's gonna make his beer as good as possible. He's not selling for mediocre beer at this strip club. Uh, he also says he's gonna do an Oktoberfest, which is probably serving up right now. So he'll have uh, two beer styles along with the, the full bar. So he's going to have two craft beers along with whatever full bar they had offering before. Uh, and he said, when asked about the impact of craft beer is having on business, Conrad noted, it's been great. We've been having people come out for the beer, the bartender noted. Uh, people are interested in the beer. It's fun to have more to offer. So, wow, people are going to a strip club, not for the stripping, but for the beer. That says a lot about craft beer. Is that if if the beer is good enough to distract you away from boobies, then that's pretty good beer. Or that's what
1: they say to save face. Yeah. It's, uh... yeah.
0: <laughs> so what do you think? Is this the future of craft breweries? Is this what craft breweries have to do to try to gain? Uh, is this the the competitive advantage that that might be needed to gain? Uh...
1: You got you got to stand out in the market. Yeah, and you know. It's... Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I, I'm guess. I mean, my thought on this is that this is a craft brewery that was, was, is mainly maybe looking to try to, 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 to get the upper edge by, by offering naked ladies. Uh, that's my thought on it. All right, let's move on to the next, uh, article real quick is, uh, the, the article name, John wants to skip this one. It, I'm just going to talk real quick, though, that there's uh, a congressman from Pennsylvania that wants to, uh, re- to create a a change in, in the taxing of craft beer. So right now, uh, $7 for every barrel of, of beer gets uh, charged in, in a federal tax, and they want to make that half. And I thought that was uh, kind of cool that one way to stimulate craft beer industry by reducing the taxing on it – especially uh, breweries that produce less than 60,000 barrels, which is most of the craft breweries. There's only a few craft breweries that, that do more than, I mean, a few, there's only a few of the high-end craft breweries that do more than 60,000 barrels. So um, if you can reduce the amount of tax uh, by 50%, that, that'll that help, you know,
1: promote craft beer. So yeah, it'll, it'll be very helpful for those smaller breweries. I, I, I really hope this goes through, but I, I find it hard to believe that with the way that the industry is booming right now, that the the federal government will be willing to cut their revenue in half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll see <laughs> well, how this plays out.
0: But I think it, again, I think it was only for breweries that were, you know, that were doing uh, less than 60000 So I think the bigger ones are still going to have to pay all the money. So, you know. Anheuser Busch and, and Sierra Nevada and uh, Lagunitas and New
1: Belgium and all those bigger ones, they're still going to pay full price. Yeah, but I mean, you still consider there's twenty five hundred some breweries, yeah. and not you know maybe fifty to hundred of them are above that mark. Yeah. So you know, it's that's still a lot of breweries, and all that adds up. So that's true. That's true. All
0: right. All right. I'm going to make this one quick too. This is a local little local news uh, article out of my local paper the Statesman Journal and this is basically the, about a brewery already mentioned the payette brewing uh, it says it faces expansion challenges that and this is uh, stated by an industry economist and basically just a, a synopsis this uh, brewery is uh, a small little brewery that opened two years ago I think they just celebrated their two-year anniversary. I don't know. I think they just celebrated their two year anniversary and they currently right now, uh, brew on a 15 barrel system and they make less than, or they make a, let's see about 5,000 barrels a year. So they're doing right now. Now the biggest brewery in Idaho, which is my favorite Idaho brewery is grand Teton brewing. That's the biggest one. It currently generates 10,000 barrels a year and, uh, what Payette is a, – it's, a, it's growing – I mean this one – this brewery has the biggest growth in the Idaho area because it started – like I said, it started two years ago and it's, it's growing crazy. It's, it, it, I mean it's just – they make great beer and everyone loves it and they're wanting to go ahead and increase the amount of beer to a 60-barrel system that will be able to produce 100,000 barrels annually. And this is within the next couple of years. They want to get to that point, so they're going to go from a five thousand barrel a year to a hundred thousand in like a two year period. And I thought that was incredible that they have they they're in their site. What they're visioning in the next few years is is like a what is that a twenty uh, fold increase? Yeah, so,
1: that's really fast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so I, that. That's, in, so. that's incredible. So I, I wanted to mention, too, that Payette sells about 65% of their percent of their product in cans. Uh, that's, that includes the popular beers that are called the Outlaw IPA, which I, I think I believe I gave that to you, Sean, or to John before. Yes. Um, yeah. They, right now, they only currently sell, distribute out of state to Utah, Oregon, Nevada, and Washington. So I didn't realize, John, you can
1: actually get Payette in your area? I haven't seen it. Um, they might only be in Spokane area. Okay. Uh, that's uh, yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. They're probably only in Spokane. So, um, so yeah, they've pretty much maxed out their fifteen barrel system. They've been adding fermenters, like, every, like, like, like last summer, that or uh, this winter, I guess they were adding these uh, thirty barrel fermenters. Uh, like, I don't know how many they added, like five to their small little. 11,000 square foot warehouse. So they've already maxed out their current location. Now they're looking for a new location and they're saying that it's going to be tough for this growth to, you know, for them to be able to, you know, go and and get this get this growth and, and be able to make this uh, commitment that they're wanting to do. Uh, I know that it's tough for a lot of brew, uh, small breweries right now. They have to go a lot of breweries or have to go out to private investors to invest in systems like this where they can you know expand i don't know i thought it was interesting i don't want to go too much detail but i want everyone to keep on the on the back of their minds payette brewing because in the next two years that may be a household name across the nation and uh, it's a household name in my house for sure that's uh you know i'm I'm getting the uh the uh the old angry eye from John that he wants to end this show because I've been dragging on too long, so let's go <laughs> right into shout outs John do you have any any uh shout outs or anything
1: anyone you want to toast this week uh just toast to all the listeners and uh getting great feedback from you know me hopping on here, so I really appreciate that and thank you all for for your support and and for for listening to us ram- ramble on about beer for so long
0: I know. <laughs> I know way, way too long. I'm sorry. All right. That's it. You don't want to, you don't want to, uh, shout out, uh, your extra life, uh, campaign or anything? Uh,
1: I guess so now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, for those of you that, that may or may not know, uh, extra life is a, uh, uh, fundraiser for the children's miracle network hospitals. Um, Every year, uh, they hold an event of uh, playing uh, games of any kind, uh, video games, board games, uh, all that, uh, for 24 hours. Uh, I believe this year it's October 25th, so I'm uh, going to be participating in that event and um, raising money right now. So if you uh, would like to donate, uh, it's extra-life.org life extra slash li- participant slash REAM R E A M, and I, I would appreciate it. And you know, my I'm I'm raising money for uh, uh, the Seattle uh, Children's Hospital. But uh, if you want to help out your area, um, just head to the website, find somebody um, that's uh, raising money for, for a hospital in your area, and, and please donate to them. Uh, and all all the proceeds go to the hospitals to help out the the kids there. So um, it's a it's a great great program. Yes, I agree. And uh, although
0: I am not participating, I am supporting a few of the extra lifers out there, including John, because, uh, hey, if you got the time to play uh, games and raise money, then, hey, more power to you. But uh, next year, I think we're going to have a tap, tap the craft, uh, our own little, what do they call it, a little clan or group or whatever. And we'll have some prizes for people that uh, donate to our uh, Extra Life campaigns to uh, help, uh, you know, provide these the, the money and the services to the uh, Children's Miracle Network. I think it's a great a great charity. So I just wanted to give you a little opportunity to to boast that up, John. So thank you. Yeah. All right. I have a couple couple shout outs. I want to shout out the Hophead Hardware guys. They're at on Twitter at hophead hardware and these guys uh, provide affordable glassware for craft beer and you know what you may not be a hophead yet but you may work to be a hophead and I kind of like that little hophead little label attached to me I was a hophead for many years and now I'm still a hophead but I also am, can be a, maybe a malthead too because I appreciate good malted beers so uh, but uh, they uh, I'm in I'm trying to get a hold of them now they're they're in they may be offering uh, some uh, some glasses to use uh, in some promotions for Tap to Craft. So you may be able to win some quality craft beer glassware in the near future. So uh, I recommend going and visiting their site and, and stay tuned for more information on how maybe you might be able to win some of their uh, glassware on the show. I also want to do a shout-out to another beer uh I don't know, beer podcast, but they're more of just like a YouTube channel. It's called the Better Beer Authority. And uh, these guys are pretty good. They're like John and I. They're just normal guys that enjoy craft beer. And they just talk about the beer and the way that they, uh, you know, experienced it. And they had a segment that was a blind taste test on what their, uh, you know, what this beer was. And it was actually a Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. And they had a great discussion on, gateway beers on how to what was your gateway beer into uh, enjoying craft beer what was a beer that got you to actually enjoy craft beer and, and and go out and experience more of that style i really enjoyed their conversation and it's a youtube channel so uh, just search for the better beer authority i also want to do a thank you to open forum radio for supporting the show and providing the hosting space and uh, you can find us on openformradio.com and a lot of other good shows. Some of the shows include the OFR cast, the 40 cast, Prove Your Point. We also have the Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, and some other castle as some new shows that have joined the OFR network. Um, being a former na- uh, serviceman, being in the Navy, I just want to raise my glass. And I want to thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military services For protecting our freedoms and I hope those deployed are able to return home safely very soon and because today is 9-11 I just want to you know remember uh, all those that were lost uh, in the uh, tragedies that happened in New York and in Pennsylvania and the White House or the Pentagon area uh, on 9-11 13 years ago so if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft or leave comments on the show post on openformradio.com or Google Plus. Just search Tap the Craft. You can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Luce Screw, L-U-C-E-S-C-R-E-W, and on Google Plus at Denny Luce. How can our listeners follow you, John?
1: And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Prime Brewing, uh, untapped uh, at Prime W-A. And you can read my uh, sporadic blogging on (laughs) homebrew and beer info at uh, homebrewengineer.com.
0: All right. Excellent. All right. So it's uh, time to call it uh, last call. Time to bring the show to a close. I want to thank all of the listeners for downloading and listening to the show. We hope you were able to find something useful and we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Uh, just a reminder, uh, we release this show every two weeks. And that's it for Episode 4. Now remember, friends don't let friends drink light, yellow, fizzy beer. Quality beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant.